you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey everybody, what's going on? DJ Bucky here, Move the Sticks, and a, uh, a happy Thanksgiving to all you out there. Buck, uh, what do you got going on for Thanksgiving? Man, I'm actually working. I'm do some radio stuff. And then as soon as I get done with the radio, I am looking at all of the games. Oh, I got a little turkey trot, too. I always got to do Oh, you're going to run? What, you got a little 5K? A little 5K. That's it. That's the max. That's the max. That's, that's a nice sweet spot, too. Yeah, Have you ever done a 10K before? Uh, no. Why would I? Anything over five is too long. <laughs> anything over five is too long. 5K is my sweet spot. That's what I do. I'll tell you what, man. I, my, my daughter runs. She runs track in the spring. She runs the 800 of the mile. But so we – We'll go out now that they're off school and stuff, so we have a little trail, so we'll go run, and it's like a, it's like three and a half, four miles. And Buck, I mean, I am, I, I'm feeling great. I get to that, I get to that like three mile mark, and it's like just somebody just jumps on top of my back. I've yet You're to like, see him. I keep turning around to see who's doing. Yeah, that. it is. Uh, There's nobody there. It is funny. I just don't think I could have the mental stamina to go beyond that. I think six miles, like on a 10k, would just. Man, I just don't know if I can mentally stay in it long enough to oh, finish the deal. Oh yeah, no, it's it, it's it's a grind. It's a grind. Uh, we got a we got a busy show today. We've got uh, our good buddy Joel Clapp from Fox, who's going to be calling the Ohio State Michigan game. Huge game, uh, really kind of a playoff game here coming up this weekend. Get a chance to to visit with Joel about that game as well as some of the other top players. In college football, we're going to go through these NFL games with our previews. And, and Buck, I, I got a feeling this is, uh, you know, this is going to be your week here for these college picks because we got a bunch of 2 I'm waiting for games. the bowl games. I'm getting ready for the bowl games. <laughs> is that what you're holding out for the bowl games? <laughs> I'm getting ready for the bowl games because we re- reset, the, reset the counter at the bowl games. Get the bowl That's games That's when you right. jump in. I think we've, yes. I'm looking ahead, though, looking ahead. I think we've got three two-point games. You jump right back in this thing with a big week. You're in there. Yeah. I can't catch Ken. I've been on his heels. I just can't ever catch him. Really yeah. frustrating. Yeah, um, big you want you uh, anything else you want to jump into before we get into these games? No, no, let's get right to it. All right, let it rip. Browns at Bengals. All right, I'll take the Brown side of this thing. And uh, look, the big storyline here: Hugh Jackson, obviously uh, coaching against his former team, which is just odd when you when you join another staff inside the division after being let go. That's a, that's definitely a storyline. But I'm going to say what I'm looking forward to watching this one is Denzel Ward. Um, this is a tight race for defensive rookie of the year. I'd say Darius Leonard is in pole position right now with what he's done and the stats that he has accumulated. Leighton Vanderesh has made a late charge. Uh, Derwin James had a great year, although the, you know had any of those splash plays the last couple weeks uh, that we've come accustomed to. But Denzel Ward is right in that mix. He needs to have like a two-interception game, uh, some splash plays, maybe a pick six. But this could be the game he gets done. I'm keeping my eyes on Denzel Ward in this one. I'm keeping my eyes on the other sideline, and I'm actually looking at Hugh Jackson because the conversation coming out of Cincinnati has been, look, Marvin Lewis has been calling the defense, but eventually Hugh Jackson may call the defense? That's what I've been Interesting. Uh, it certainly would it be. It wasn't and, good last week playing against a running quarterback. Yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't good not, last week. Not it, good. And 
if it really comes down to it, like I know Hugh Jackson is basically the associate head coach. He's kind of trying to help Marvin while Marvin is managing the game, running the defense. But when I look at this team, this team is in a critical situation. If they're going to make a run and have a chance at the playoffs, it has to start now. Without A.J. Green, it has to be more on Tyler Boyd. But really the guy who has been missing in action, Joe Mixon. they got to get the running game cranked up. When Joe Mixon plays well, this offense is going and protects the defense. I'm looking for Joe Mixon to have a big game. 49ers at Buccaneers. Well, I'll tell you what, Thanksgiving is, is right here, and it's it's definitely a big food day. And it needs to be a big turnover day for the uh, for the 49ers. Shouldn't be hard. There's a discount. There's there's like it's like a Black Friday sale when you play the Buccaneers because they just give out they just give out turnovers. They're just they're two for one specials. Uh, that's what the 49ers have to do in this game if they're going to get a win on the road at Tampa. Uh, get some of those turnovers that uh, that the Bucks seem so excited to, to, to distribute. <laughs> well, then with the Buccaneers, we get to see a chance to see Jameis Winston start again. He played really well when he got a chance to fill in, jumped in last week for Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was ineffective, turned the ball over. Jameis comes in, leads the, the team down the field, has a couple of touchdowns, does a great job of kind of managing the offense. And the offense was kind of rolling under his watch. Let's see what it's like now that he gets to start against the 49ers. For Jameis Winston, he has to know that he is playing for his job. He's playing for the right to be the franchise quarterback in Tampa Bay. I think we may see a, a more focused, uh, a guy that is a little better when it comes to the decisions from the pocket. If Jameis Winston does that stuff, we know he has plenty of arm talent. We're just kind of waiting to see the guy play like the number one pick in the 2014 draft. Jaguars at Bills. Remember Jalen Ramsey uh, had some not-so-nice things to say about Josh Allen when uh, going through the draft process. Um, interesting. Uh, one thing I, I'm keeping my eyes on is Jalen Ramsey because last week coming off a game where he had two picks, he looked like a defensive player of the year talent that we know that he possesses. And I think that, that little rumor that got out there that the Jags quickly refuted about him you know, potentially being on the trading block, I think that got his juices flowing a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. He got rolling last week. I, I, I would look for Jalen Ramsey – uh, to keep that train rolling here. I think he gets another one this week. Yeah, he, he may get another one because Josh Allen has been a guy who struggled with some turnovers a little bit. But really, I think everyone in Buffalo has to be excited about Josh Allen returning to the lineup. He's a talented player. This is an offense that has had some success a couple of weeks ago. They were able to have success with Matt Barkley at the controls. Josh Allen obviously is a better talent, more explosive. I just want to see how this offense continues to evolve with him at the quarterback. Let's see if they utilize his legs a little bit. Let him be the dual threat playmaker that he certainly can be. If they do that, they have, could have a chance against the Jaguars offense that has been struggling whenever they have to put the ball in Blake Borders' hands. Raiders at Ravens. You know, some of those words that can be used in a good context and then in a bad context. Sellout is one of those words, Buck, because, right, you don't want to be a sellout. But if you have a game, you know, you want to sell out the game. Uh, That's the word for the Raiders in this game, sellout, because they need to sell out to stop Lamar Jackson rushing the football. If you lose this game, you're the Raiders with Lamar Jackson throwing the ball over your head, you live with that. But you've got to make him prove he can do that. You cannot do what the Cincinnati Bengals did last week. Keep your safeties in the parking lot and give him all <laughs> kinds of space to run around 27 times. So I, I think they bring the safeties down. I think they sell out to stop the run, and uh, it'll give them a, a decent chance to win against the Baltimore Ravens team. That I think they're still trying to figure out what they want to do here with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, with Lamar Jackson, I think the over-under is 20. 20 rushing attempts. Uh, you can't run them 27 times. It's just not uh, a good equation. However, you do like the fact that they had 256 rushing yards. They were able to kind of impose their will, control the game, and it really helped their defense kind of play this style of play that they wanted to play. I think against the Raiders, Lamar Jackson continues to expand upon what they asked him to do last week. They only had him throw it 19 times. Maybe they pushed that up to 25. But I think at the end of the day, the Baltimore Ravens want to run the ball. They want to play defense, and they want to rely on their defense, forcing Derek Carr into a bad decision. He's made him in pretty much every game this year. I think they want to sit and wait and pounce and then give the ball to Lamar Jackson on short field so he can do his run option stuff and kind of have the success that he was able to have his first start against the Cleveland Brown. The Cincinnati Bengals, rather. Seahawks at Panthers. All right, Buck, I'll keep my goofy theme going here. There's that whole thing, who wore it better. Uh, This is who runs it better. That's what this game is. Who can run the football better between the Seahawks and the Panthers? That's the way these teams are built. I think the Panthers 
uh, with Cam Newton. They can get in the game where they have to throw it a little bit more. I think Seattle, as this offensive line is constructed, they are built to run the ball. So they have got to establish the run early in this ball game if they're going to get a big win on the road against the Carolina team coming off of just a brutal loss. Yeah, brutal loss. The Carolina Panthers, this is a critical game for them. Six games left in the season. They're sitting at 6-4. and four. Cam Newton didn't have his best game against the Detroit Lions. This is a team that many of us have expected to be able to challenge the New Orleans Saints and some of the front runners in the NFC. Well, if that's going to happen, they have to win this game at home. And this is tough because the Seattle Seahawks are almost like a mirror, a carbon copy of what the Panthers are. They are a run-heavy team. They're going to run it and dare you to stop it. We need to see if this Carolina Panthers defense can stand up and handle the punches that the Seattle Seahawks are going to throw at them with the run game. Patriots at Jets. I want to look at this Patriots front, this defensive line. This is a Jets offensive line that's a little leaky. You should be able to get some heat on the quarterback, and we'll see who that's going to be uh, if it is the rookie Sam Darnold. I'll let's see what the Patriots want to do. They, look, Bill Belichick against rookie quarterbacks, the numbers are the numbers. They're ridiculous. He does not lose those games. Uh, but I want to see not just them win a game. I want to see the Patriots play above their opponent's level. I want to see them dominate a football game. I want to see them get it done in the trenches against a very average offensive line. And I want to see a boat race in this game. I, if you watched the game the other night between the Chiefs and the Rams, and we've seen what the Saints are doing, we saw Pittsburgh with a comeback win. I, I think this could be a statement game for the New England Patriots. Just go put it on the Jets. Wow, just go put it on them, huh? Just like in a big way, up, Buck. Like I, I'm talking out. about like 40, 45 to six type game traditionally the new york jets have played well against the new england patriots they've done a really good job of kind of keeping the score down when they played at home for todd bowles this is something where he needs to have a signature win like his job is in jeopardy the offense has kind of gone south and the defense has not played well the last couple weeks for todd bowles it would be nothing better than to have a signature win at home against the patriots i think he has to figure out a way to be more involved in the game plan and help this defense get right and then they got to figure out a way to alleviate some of the pressure on sam Darnold. This has to be the Jets' best game of the season because if they lose this one, I think there are a lot of people that will be cleaning out their office lockers soon. Giants at Eagles. I just wrote down on my paper, Chuck and Duck, if you're the Giants. Uh, just come out and chuck the football. Last week we saw Drew Brees tear apart this Eagles secondary, 363 yards and four touchdowns. I'll put a line on it for you here, Buck. I'll go 340. I'm going to say if the Giants win this game, it's because Eli Manning throws for 340, and I'll put that number at three. He's got to go 340 and three. They win the game. Wow. Yeah, I can't make any predictions like that, but I can predict that the Philadelphia Eagles right now have to get back to playing like the defending Super Bowl champs. And, look, they came in with a lot of fanfare. We thought this team was better constructed than the team that won it a year ago, and they just haven't played to that. I think the pressure right now is on Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson has to find a way to balance out this offense. I love Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz is the best, one of the best young talents at the quarterback position that we have in the league. But right now they're putting too much on his shoulders. They have to be able to run the ball. Someone in that backfield has to step up, whereas Josh Adams, Corey Clement, one of those guys, they have to step up and give them something. They cannot continue to have Carson Wentz throwing it 40, 45 times. That is a recipe for disaster. For the Eagles, this is a must win. They have to get this one at home. Cardinals at Chargers. I'll go back to David Johnson with the Cardinals. You know, I think all eyes will be on Josh Rosen coming back to Los Angeles, take on the Chargers, and uh, that'll be fun to watch him out there, Buck. But uh, I'm telling you, David Johnson, get him going in this game. Get him running the ball. I uh, saw Philip Lindsay pop a couple long runs last week against the Chargers. I think it's a heavy dose of David Johnson in this game and trying to establish him. Remember now, the Chargers lost Corey Legit last week. The week before that, they lost Denzel Perriman. Those are two key pieces in the middle of that defense. I think you come out and run the ball. Yeah, they should run the ball. David Johnson's been at the centerpiece since Byron left, which has taken over as offense coordinator. So the Chargers must be up to the challenge of stopping him. But more importantly, this is a bounce-back game. They can't give away another game after giving away the game last week against the Denver Broncos. I need to see them play better. I need to see them on offense. Just play a clean football game get back to running get back to making the big plays off play action in the passing game if they just do what they normally do i think this should be an easy win for the chargers dolphins at colts welcome back ryan Tannehill. he's missed uh, the last five games he is back in the lineup and unfortunately 
He's going to be going up against a Colts team, but really a Colts offense. When you look at what Andrew Luck has done, that's scoring a bunch of points. So he can't just kind of ease his way in and, and kind of slop around. He's got to come out in this game and be efficient, be productive. I think they need to hit some splash plays, some big plays, uh, because I, 21 points ain't going to get it against the Colts on the road. You're going to have to put up 28, 30 points. Uh, so there's going to be no no uh, kind of easing into this ball game for Ryan Tannehill. He needs to come out hot. You know, the thing about being hot, I guess Ryan Tannehill is maybe 10-3 and three in his last 13 starts. That's the number that is beyond belief to me. A little shocking. Yeah, it's a little shocking. But when I go and I look at it, Indianapolis Colts, it's all about Andrew Luck. 214 straight dropbacks without a sack. He's found a way to get the ball out of his hands, quick rhythm throws. When they match protect, that's when they take their shots to T.Y. Hilton. I think for the Colts, it's the same recipe. Find a way to allow him to be efficient, keep him clean in the pocket. If they do that, the Colts go on and get another win. Steelers at Broncos. I had fun watching this Steelers defense last week. They kept them in the game while their offense was kind of floundering and Roethlisberger was turning the ball over. They kept the game close with a dominant defensive performance. And when you look at what they have up front, the combination of Cam Hayward and Javon Hargrave, they dominated. They dominated not only can they dominate against the run, but you see the games they run, the twists they run inside to generate some pressure, generate some sacks, and then coming off the edge with Bud Dupree supplying the power and T.J. Watt providing the speed. That's a good front. And I look for them in this ballgame going up against the Denver Broncos. The Chargers could not expose a Broncos offensive line that is down three starters. I think the Steelers have a better shot of getting that done this week. It'll be uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I think you definitely have to keep an eye on how that Denver Broncos offense performs. But really, this game falls on the shoulders of Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. Those are the two best playmakers that they have on defense. Those are the guys that kind of set the tone for the defense. And I think we saw it. Von Miller basically saved them a week ago against the Chargers. I think he's going to have to replicate that effort against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He and his young buddy, Bradley Chubb, they have to dominate this game for the Broncos to have any chance of pulling off the upset. Packers at Vikings. Well, I'll tell you what I might do if, if I'm the Vikings. I might take Kirk's watch and just, like, set it back about four hours and just say, hey, no, it says – I know it says it says 820, <laughs> but it says it's a 4 o'clock game. It's a 4 o'clock game. As we've talked about, unfortunately, Kirk has not had that, that uh, much luck working in these night games. This is a huge game. I'm going to say must win. I'll throw must win on this. Uh, both these teams hovering around 500. They tied earlier this year, 4-5-1 Packers, 5-4-1 Vikings. The Bears doing what they're doing. Uh, I don't want to say loser leave town. We talked about that before, but I definitely think this is a huge game. And I think when you have that, you have emotion. Um, and what we say, Buck, pressure, pressure bust pipes. Yep. Who's going to turn the ball over? Which one of these offenses is going to turn the ball over is going to decide this game? Look, Mike McCarthy has to figure out a way to turn it up. There are people in Green Bay that are already calling for his job. They believe his voice has gotten stale. Uh, they feel like there's a new change, a change that is needed in Green Bay. So the pressure is definitely on McCarthy. When I look for the Vikings, man, I think the pressure is on their coaching staff, their offensive coaching staff in particular. they got to figure out a way how to get this offense going. I don't like the fact that they only ran the ball 14 times in their last game. It has to balance it out. I know for Mike Zimmer, a defense-oriented coach, a guy who wants to be able to dominate with the defense, he needs to have more help from his offense. Run the ball, control the game, shorten the clock, and allow that defense to be well-rested going against a tough Aaron Rodgers. This is a game where you want to take some of the pressure off Kirk Cousins by leaning on Dalvin Cooks and others to make plays in the running game. Oh, and he's not hot. Titans at Texans. My eyes are on a Dory Jackson in this one. He had a rough game against T.Y. Hilton, got absolutely torched last week, and it does not get any easier when you look at, across the line of scrimmage and you see – Nuke Hopkins coming at you. You know that ball is going to find you. He was Waldo last week. They found him. He's got to step up and need a better performance here from a Dory Jackson if they're going to go on the road and beat a red-hot Texans team on Monday night. The Texans are red-hot, but the guy who hasn't been red-hot, Deshaun Watson hasn't played his best ball. And so I know coming off that performance against the Washington Redskins, he wants to be efficient. He wants to be effective. He wants to find his playmakers on the outside. Uh, you talked about Adoree Jackson. I don't think Adoree Jackson can hold up against DeAndre Hopkins. I also think Demarius Thomas can be a factor. Deshaun Watson has to be an effective trigger man. If he plays a solid game from the pocket, I think the Houston Texans have a nice shot of winning against the Tennessee Titans. 
Well, there you have it. There's our uh, our slate of games. Looking forward to a huge Week 12 in the NFL. What do you say? Let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit here. Let's uh, let's talk some college football. And I think, Bucky, I've got the perfect guy to do it. All right, Buck, I could not be more excited uh, to be joined by Padres farmhand, uh, Joel Klatt, right now. The it's father. something we – yes, the, the swinging uh, friars here, the uh, the fathers. Uh, Joel, what's going on, man? I know you're, uh, you are you got some big things going on. You're obviously the uh, the lead analyst here for Fox, and you've got uh, a game that's rather important this weekend, Michigan-Ohio State. You're not looking forward to that, are you? I mean, not at all, right? Uh, goodness gracious, can it get here already? And I've seen these teams both, I think, three times already. So I'm I'm raring to go. I can't wait to do this game. It, it, I think it's the biggest game I've ever broadcast. So I'm certainly uh, looking forward to it. Hey, so Joel, so obviously, like you got the you got the huge thing. Everyone is on Michigan and Coach Harbaugh, and he has to win a big game. What are your thoughts about the standing of the Michigan program, and how much pressure is on Harbaugh to win this game against Ohio State this weekend? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Buck. First, first off. I've been really impressed with Michigan, and Michigan is one of these teams that I would call a throwback, and it's not just because of their style, but because of of the vision that they have for their team, the blueprint that they have for their team. They play as as good a complementary football as I think anybody in in college does, and and candidly, I, I believe that that's the way that you win championships. Think about it from this perspective: this offense is averaging 15 points more per game this year than they are than they were a year ago. And yet they're not having to do that with volume or tempo. You know, so many times when we see big jumps like that, guys, we see it with volume and tempo. And and we don't see that with Michigan. We've just seen it with better quarterback play, um, much better play on first down, which leads to third down conversions. Uh, their first down improvement this year has been off the charts. Um, they're in the top five in the power five on almost every offensive category. When you're talking about yards per play, yards per pass, yards per rush on first down, I think that's been a huge key for them. Now, why I talk about that is because what it does for their defense. They came into last week's game fourth in the country in time of possession, averaging just under 35 minutes per game time of possession. Well, because of that, that great defense, guys, with all that speed and all those draft picks that we're going to be evaluating here in the months to come, They've seen the fourth fewest snaps in all of college football leading into that Indiana game. Just to give you some sense of, of the volume of snaps they've played versus other teams, they had played 68 snaps less than Alabama. The FBS average in a game is 70 snaps. So that's a game less than Alabama. They had played 168 less snaps than OU. And everyone knows that OU's defense is a disaster, but OU's defense, based on the FBS average, had played two and a half games more uh, a worth of snaps than Michigan's defense. So I think it's the complementary style with which they play that I've been most impressed with, and they all buy into it. When you talk with Shea Patterson or Karan Higdon or any of the defensive players, they say that we play for one another and our game plan is for one another, and, and then they go out and they put it in place. One thing I want to ask you about a couple of these individual players on Michigan before we get over to Ohio State. Uh, I haven't had a chance to do all of them. I have I have watched and, and put in my notes on Rashawn Gary and Devin Bush. And just my take real quick on, on Gary, to me he reminds me a lot of, uh, of Cam Jordan when he was coming out of Cal. He's just a freakish size-speed uh, combination athlete. I wish he would locate the football a little bit more and the production would, uh, would, would follow. Um, but, man, what, what an athlete. And then Devin Bush – to me, he's, he's a little bit sawed off, but he is a phenomenal player. He's got a little bit of Roquan Smith in him. He's, he's, he's got some strike to him. Um, but I want to know, Joel, just talking to coaches and being around these guys, the games that you've covered, what, what do you know about these guys is, you know, maybe a little bit off the field or what the personality is like? What don't we know about yeah. Gary and Bush? Yeah, so, so listen, everybody loves these two players around that program. But to a man, if you ask, you know, like, who makes your defense go, they all say Devin Bush. I mean, to a man, whether it's Don Brown, the defensive coordinator, the offensive court coaches, they talk about his speed and his ability to go sideline to sideline. Don Brown's defense is one of the most successful defenses, not only because of the schematics, obviously, but the personnel, but it relies on speed and man coverage and the ability of the Mike linebacker to cover a lot of space. If you don't have a Mike linebacker that's going to cover a lot of space, Don Brown's defense is not going to work to the degree that it's been working over the last few years. And Devin Bush is perfect for that. He might be just a touch undersized, but he makes up for it with speed. He's great in terms of closing from the alley. And what I love about him is that the guy 
when he sits down, he embraces the leadership role. You know you guys have sat down with guys, and you can tell that they're uncomfortable being the guy. Devin Bush is fully comfortable in his own skin being the guy on the defense with a lot of other really good players around him. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of Devin Bush. Rashawn Gary, I think you hit the nail on the head. He's just a freakish talent. Um, and, and I think that his size and speed combination lead people to believe that he should be more of a you know, Big Ten leader in sacks, more production in terms of tackles for loss. But it hasn't been there. I think he was slowed by injury for the majority of the season. What I saw last week was a guy getting more healthy against Indiana. And and I candidly think that we're going to see the best that we've seen from Rashawn Gary here in the next few weeks. You know, you mentioned about needing to have the guy, the man. And when I look at Oklahoma, and I know you've seen Oklahoma a couple times this year, there's no doubt in my mind that Kyler Murray is the man. When you've had an opportunity to watch the Sooners play, what are your thoughts on Tyler Murray and, Kyler Murray and how he plays? You know, at the at the beginning of the season, Bucky, I, I started thinking to myself, you know, who is he comparable to? I think that's what we all go go to. I mean, I mean, DJ, you just brought up the Cam Jordan with Rashawn Gary. You know, we always think of comparison, whether I'm just doing a game or I'm evaluating a player. And when I started thinking about it, you know, I did Kyler's game his first week of the season, and and then all of a sudden I do his second game against UCLA. Then we're there for Red River, and, and I see him start coming back from those 21 points in, in basically the fourth quarter. He makes that long run. Um, I think it was like a 67-yard run where everyone has the angle on him, and he just beats him. Then he's making these like dime throws over the middle that are layered over the linebackers. Then he makes a long throw down the field with arm strength. Then he shoots one out to the far hash uh, on the sideline, and, and C.D. Lamb makes a catch on the sideline. And I'm, I'm like, Bucky, I haven't seen this. Now, I'm not saying he's a great pro prospect. All I'm telling you is that I have not seen the combination of passing ability and elite running ability with quickness like a hiccup. You know, I mean, he's at top speed on step one. What he's doing out there, candidly, I've never seen before. You know, he makes runs that Lamar Jackson made, but he throws the ball much better than Lamar Jackson ever did. So, I don't think it's out of the question that Kyler, one, wins the Heisman Trophy because of the year that he's having. He's doing the something that no, no one's ever done before in the history of the sport, which is average 300 yards passing and 60 yards rushing per game throughout a college football season. He's at 301 and 67 in those two categories. If he does that for a full year with the stage of playing against another Heisman you know, finalist type of guy in Will Greer, West Virginia this week, I think he could win the, the Heisman Trophy. And then, guys... With the way the NFL is going, I don't think it's out of the question that he gets a shot to play both sports at the next level. Have you talked to him about that, Joel? Obviously, you know, I joked at the very top as a Padre fan. Uh, it's actually true. Joel, for those who don't know, Joel was uh, drafted by the Padres and, and played pro baseball. Uh, have you talked to Kyler Murray about that, about your, your decision and your process going through that? I haven't talked to him about my process. I asked him more about what his thoughts were and, and everything from what I've been, because I've tried to get in touch with the A's organization. I've, I've tried to talk with Kyler about it and nobody talks about it. Hmm. Nobody wants to hmm. say anything about it, about what's he going to do next? What, you know, what's in the language of the contract um, for that $4.6 million that he got for being the ninth overall pick. Um, it was really strange. Do you know Lincoln Riley told told me that nobody from the A's organization called him before they made that pick? Wow, no, interesting. That is that is in, in, in an era in an era of due diligence. You know, on the on the football side of things, I, I can't tell you the number of high school coaches that I've had to talk to before you drafted sure. a kid, and that's they sure. didn't talk to his college coaches for football. That's crazy. That is unbelievable. It, it, it's wild, and Billy Bean has not been out to one game, nor has talked to Lincoln after the draft, i.e., like, hey, you know, maybe could you take care of him if you're, uh, you're up? <laughs> There's no plan. I'm like, I'm like, what's going on right here? So something's interesting. Now, he's not going to make the $4.6 million if he doesn't play baseball, right? I mean, they're not going to give him that money just to say that we picked you. So I think that he's going to go and at least give minor, minor league baseball a shot. There might be some language in the contract buried deep in there about whether he can or can't play football. Um, but the year that he's having, guys, and more specifically, let's be honest, it's not just about the year that he's having or the talent that he is. It's the way that the NFL is going. 
it seems like the NFL is, is more open now than ever to a player like Kyler to stay at that position and, and try to make a career out of it. You sure they didn't just send Jonah Hill? He didn't send Jonah Hill to go talk? <laughs> Billy Bean didn't send Jonah Hill out there? Uh, maybe Jonah Hill has like an apartment in Norman right now, and he just checks in on him every every night. I just hey, that Joel, was I want to. You guys are involved. It's crazy. You guys have been around organizations and draft picks. Four point six million dollars, ninth pick in the draft. No communication. It was as paranoid as everybody is nowadays. That's that's crazy to not go uh, through that. Who knows? I, I want to ask you. Uh, I know you got to run here pretty soon here, but I, I'm so uh, selfish here. I want to ask you a couple more questions, Joel. Come on, uh, I'm ready. Let's let's rock. All right, we're gonna get we'll get a chance to to chat this up a bunch as we go towards the draft. Um, and I know it's different, you know, when you're when you're analyzing games and you're trying to take in the whole picture uh, versus doing the deep dive. You'll get a chance to do as we go towards the draft. But just the differences between uh, a Will Greer and a Baker Mayfield. Go. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, boy, that's that's a tough. You like one. that one? Basically you like that the one? same. Basically the same offense. Um, I think that what Lincoln did for Baker was probably a little bit more player friendly than what Dana does for Will. And that's not a knock on Dana. It's just that Dana lets the system work things out a little bit more versus Lincoln loves to call the perfect play at the right time. Um, how many times guys, when we're evaluating Oklahoma, do you just see somebody literally wide open? I like to call it butt naked, mm-hmm. just butt naked, yep. running, running through some big space of field, whether it was Mark Andrews last year or, or Hollywood Brown. And, and I don't get those, as much when I'm watching West Virginia and preparing for, for Will Greer. I think he's got to make more tight window throws than what Baker did. He's not nearly as good in an um, improvising mode as Baker was, and I don't think he makes the throws with quite as much velocity or accuracy once he's off platform. But he's a beautiful player. He's accurate. He can make all the throws. I don't want to take anything away from him. Um, I, oh, gosh. I, that's – that's about all I can give you right now. I mean, if you're asking me to select one, I would select Baker, but it wouldn't be yeah. by a huge margin. You know, I, I kind of want to follow up on that, but not about the quarterbacks. I kind of want to talk about the coaches. So much of the conversation in the National Football League has been about we have to find these innovative offensive coaches. We've got to find guys that can take these young players, put them in a situation where they can light up scoreboard so in Lincoln Riley and Dana Hogerson you have two of the coaches who are known for lighting up scoreboards when you look at West Virginia and Oklahoma play what is the difference in their offense stylistically I think Oklahoma is a little bit more balanced and the reason that they can be balanced Bucky is because they've got a far better offensive line West Virginia has to work around in particular their center and their right guard almost always, whether it's protection in the run game. Whereas Oklahoma, I would argue that this year they have a top two, three offensive line in the, in the entire sport. So they can get the run game going, which opens up all sorts of things in the RPO game, opens up all sorts of thing, uh, things in the play action game. So it's just a more balanced attack, and quite frankly, it's, it's a more dangerous attack because of that offensive line. Whereas West Virginia really is Will, David Sills, Gary Jennings. You know, you've got these great, talented wide receivers, and they just piece together enough run game in order to keep people honest enough. Uh, but it's really more about those tight window throws, big boy throws from Will Greer, uh, whereas the Oklahoma offense, man, they get more bunnies than anybody. Um, Lincoln does an incredible job. I don't know if I've seen a college play caller with his timing um, of of just calling the right thing at the right time. I think Sean McVay is probably the best at that in the NFL game when we saw that Monday night. Um, but Lincoln is certainly kind of the Sean McVay of college football. He dials up the correct play. I mean – countless times per game eight nine ten times per game when you're just like oh my goodness they got him i'm up in the booth saying that you know how you always say got him and, and he, he does that all the time all right i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you go on this one joel but i've got uh, i've got a little challenge for you a little homework for you as you got this big game coming up here with ohio state and michigan if you can get a smile out of urban meyer before the game starts i will buy you dinner when you come join us on path of the draft this spring he just needs to cheer up a little bit it's it's on you joel Klatt, get a smile on urban meyer's face that's your challenge 
Okay, so uh, now that I know that that's the bet, I'll be buying dinner this spring. So where are we headed? <laughs> there you go. There he is. Uh, all right, you've uh, that's your homework assignment. Looks like you've already uh, already failed. Uh, hey, Joel, yeah. we know this is a this is a crazy crazy busy week for you uh, with this anticipated game coming up, and I can't tell you again uh, how much we appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time. Yeah, man, I, I love it, guys. I can't wait for uh, the, you know, quote-unquote offseason, our draft season to get after it because there's going to be some interesting conversations with a quarterback class that's not nearly as strong as last year's, don't you think? Mm. No question. Yeah. yeah, we'll be talking a lot about pass rushers, buddy. Yeah, we, <laughs> lots about them. Uh, uh, ratings, and, ratings and, boom. It's a big ratings boom and, when that happens. And we're going to have way too many. Guys, are you already sick of the conversation that we're going to have about the – parka on the sideline at houston well if ed oliver would have taken it <laughs> off uh, yeah. no, don't 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 care don't care you can he yeah. can wear he can come out there in any jacket he wants if, if that's the guy that's coming to my <laughs> that's program right. that's right all right, all right Joel. we appreciate you buddy day. all right Happy take care all right buck it's always good to chat with our our good buddy there joel clad i mean we could we could sit there and talk with him for another 30 40 minutes i, I don't know we just keep going and going and going talking about these players one thing i love about joel um, you can tell he does his homework. He loves what he does. Uh, I mean, he d- absolutely loves it. And he kills it. He knows exactly what is going on in the landscape. I thought the insight and intel that he brought, not only about Kyler Murray and West Virginia, but also when he was able to talk about Michigan and the complimentary style of play that they go from offense to defense and why it has helped him. I can't wait to see that game this weekend. I can't wait to hear him on the call. I know I'm going to sit and watch the game and learn something from him. Oh, it's going to be fun. And uh, I think with that, Let's jump into some college picks here. This is Bucky's favorite part of the uh, of the show. It. You love it's it. Time to get Can't right. get enough of it. Can't get enough of it. Uh, yeah. We've got three two-pointers. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's start with the big one. Biggest game of the weekend, Michigan on the road at Ohio State. Number four, Michigan. Number 10, Ohio State. This is a playoff game, Buck. Who do you like? Yeah, this is, this is a playoff game. And right now, it's now or never for the Michigan Wolverines. If they can't beat the Ohio State Buckeyes now, they'll never beat them while Jim Harbaugh is a coach. I'm saying that the Wolverines go on the road and they get the win. They lock it up. They put themselves in a position to go to the playoffs. Yeah, it is all on a tee form. I agree with you in this one, Buck. And I will say this. I'm going to pick Michigan to win. Kent's also picking Michigan. I'll get to Sully's prediction here in just a second. But I think not only is it all set up for Michigan to win this game, I might be crazy and I might eat these words. You can play it back and laugh at me. <laughs> I think this could be kind of like what's your deal game for Jim Harbaugh. Oh, if they do, you think if they, they think do they get, put their hands on him, maybe whoop him a little bit. If they get it going a little bit, he will not call it off. Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to uh, to watching this game, whichever way it goes. I don't really care who wins. I think Michigan will win. I, I just want to see. I want to see the rivalry get going a little bit. And I do think if Michigan gets up early, uh, he will not call it off. Uh, it'll be it'll definitely get intense there. And Urban Meyer, we'll see. We talked to Joel. See if he can get a, a smile out of Urban Meyer in the warm ups. I, I don't like that happening. Sully though is not with us on this one. He's going lone wolf. He's taking Ohio State at home. To beat the Wolverines. I mean, I can kind of understand his rationale when the team has won they like, 15, 15 out of the last 17. It's hard to pick against them. Uh, it's just something about the maize and blue that I'm going with. I am trying to say go blue this week. I need the Wolverines to get this win. All right. Well, it looks like we might be split on this next game. Number six, Oklahoma, 10-1. and one, Going to take on our buddy Will Greer, number 13 in the country, West Virginia. They're 8-2. and two. This is a Friday game. Another two-pointer. Buck, you going home team West Virginia? You going to go Oklahoma on the road here? What I'm do you going think? with Will Greer and Dana Hogerson. I'm, I'm just saying that they find a way to get it done. This is something that it would be a program win. It would really set them up well. Look, I know they had a hiccup uh, a week ago, but I think this is will help them get back on track. And with Will Greer, I think Will Greer has a huge game. I, I think I've picked Will, Will Greer to win every single time we've had one of their games. Until now, uh, Oklahoma, <laughs> I'm going to go. I'll go tradition. I'll go uh, with the team that's been in these moments and been in these big games, and they always seem to find a way to get it done. I- I'm going to say Oklahoma goes on the road. Kyler Murray goes off in this game. I think Oklahoma wins. Kent has got West Virginia. He's with you, Buck. And then Sully joins me. So it's a two versus two there. Uh, me and Sully going Oklahoma. You guys are, are going West Virginia. This, I'm telling you, you can make up some ground here, Buck, with these two-pointers. Uh, Washington, Washington State Apple Cup Friday. Uh, this is uh, winner goes to the uh, goes to the Pac-12 championship. Wins the North here. Who do you like? 
Man, this is tough because everything in me always wants to say UW because I love Coach Peterson and what they do. But Washington State has been hot. They've been on a roll. No one's been able to stop them. So I'm going to continue to go with the Cougs. I say the Cougs win the Apple Cup at the house. All right, you go with the Cougs. Uh, let's see who else. Kent likes Washington State at home. Sully as well going with Washington State. Kent, why don't you do me a favor, hit my music. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Give me give me the Huskies. They own these guys. This might be the first time that uh, they've been an underdog in the Apple Cup and I don't they, even know how long. It's been said, a minute. You said they owned it. They, they do own them. And, uh, and look, they, I don't know. I, I just believe in them. I saw Washington State. I know they're 10-1. and one. I saw them slop around and, and lose to USC. It was not any good. I just – I don't know. I, I think Washington has got better overall talent, and I think that shows out in this game. I think Washington uh, gets it done. So I'm going to pick up two points there. That's nice. Thanks thanks for that gift, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Auburn, Alabama, Iron Bowl. I mean, come on. These Alabama games, have we ever taken more than 10 seconds on an Alabama game this year? No, we're not going to take more than 10 seconds now. We can go with Bama all across the board. Yeah, Bama, everybody. Uh, Notre Dame, USC. Oh, gosh. 11-0 fighting Irish. 5-6 and six USC. Buck, USC loses this game. No bowl game. 5-7. and seven. This might be the best game that USC plays this year. This is it. They so they, they, they only lose by like 20? This is, this, Clay Hilton has to pull out all the stops. That's going to make it very, very tough and challenging for the fighting Irish, but I think the fighting Irish are the better team. They get this. Notre Dame's yeah. going to run it down their throat. <laughs> Josh yeah, Kelly uh, went for almost 300. Imagine what all those future NFL offensive linemen for the Irish are going to do in this I game. I think tough. it's going to be 24-point Irish win. Oh. This, this is going to be fascinating to see what happens after this game. There will be more intrigue after this game than during this game because after the game, it's all going to swirl around. What's happening with Clay Helton? First of all, Buck, before we leave to the next one, uh, there was those reports out there about James Franklin possibly being a name for USC. How do you like that fit? I don't like that fit. I don't really? like that fit at all. No, I, I, like, why would he leave Penn State to come to SC? Like, uh, to weather, me, the, easier conference, more uh, prestige program, more Heisman trophies, more national championships, uh, yeah, a billion players yeah, in your backyard. See, but he's a he's a PA guy. He grew up in Pennsylvania. He grew up in Pennsylvania. He coached at Maryland. He's been up there. He's well established. Like they are, man, they're loaded recruiting wise. I, I get Ohio State and Michigan. Every year you got to deal I with them. I get that, but man, look SC. who you who do you deal with in the South? Colorado. I know. Uh, Arizona. Gosh. Arizona. Come on. I don't know. I just think it's. I thought it was interesting. I actually think. I actually think USC, if they do decide to make a change, I like them going outside the region. They need to start bringing in some more some East Coast kids there. No, go get somebody think, that has. You're going to get all the LA kids you want. Whoever you want, there you're going to get. But go get some linemen uh, back east. I got a name for you. He's a guy that liked one of your tweets the other day. Jack Del Rio. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Jack. That Del could Rio. be the guy. Jack Del Rio could be the guy. A couple different reasons. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer there at SC. Uh, Boosters evidently has a strong time with the alumni uh, booster program. He has coached at the NFL level. They had success, obviously, when they brought Pete Carroll in there. He might just be the I right guy. I think he'd guy be a good recruiter, don't kinda, you? I yeah, think. he might be the right guy to kind of toughen them up and get them back to playing like SC should play, running game, defense, all the tradition. There's no reason why SC should ever be a 5-16. and 16. Oh, discipline Never. and toughness, something they do not have in that in that uh, program right now. I think Del Rio would bring that. Uh, I don't I don't hate that idea at all. All right, how about uh, South Carolina and Clemson? Is there any part of you that thinks that South Carolina shocks the world here? <laughs> no, I'm going with Clemson. <laughs> that was a quick answer. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're all going Clemson. No shock there. Uh, UCF, South Florida. You guys always pick against uh, Mackenzie Milton. You guys always do it. No, I stand I look, by I'm, him every week. I'm every week I pick UCF. Every week I win. I'm Mackenzie's biggest fan. I'm going with. I'm going with the Golden Knights. I Wait, you picked them to lose like three times this I year. Mean, I can't even remember back then. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going with him. Here we go. Yeah, we're all going. We're all going with the with UCF there. Although South Florida's got some athletes, no question. Georgia Tech, Georgia. We're not going. to – I mean. They can't. Georgia Tech is going to make this one closer than you think. But Georgia's so? still going to win. Yeah, Georgia Tech will make it See, actually, when, now that you say that, I can remember some of these games coming down to a field goal. I agree uh, with Bucky. I think, and I like what he tweeted last week about, why don't more schools run the triple option? Man. I think Georgia Tech loses, but I expect it to be a game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Paul Johnson tight. normally plays them pretty tight. Yeah, I like Georgia Tech. I want to play a game with you here real quick because I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, I want to go to – hold on. I'm going to pull this thing up here by conference. I'm going to give you a conference buck, and along those lines, you tell me the team 
and I'll throw you a couple names out there, the team in this conference that should run the triple option. Okay? Are you Ooh. ready? Okay. All right, so if we stay in the ACC, Wake Forest should run the triple option. All right, right? Yeah, Carolina should run it too. Anybody. Yeah. Like, they should, yeah, they well, can't stop anybody. Run, run, <laughs> run the triple option. But I mean, just thinking – I'm thinking of like from a recruiting standpoint of you're not going to get the top-tier guys. No, I mean, I think, it's a, I, think it's a great, I think it's a great equalizer. I think it brings a level of toughness. And if, if everyone in the conference is running the spread and you're doing something different – uh, I think it's advantageous. Boston College has had success in the ACC. They don't run the triple option, but they are old school the power, smash mouth power team. team. Yeah, like uh, do something different. All right, let's go Big Twelve. Let's get the. I mean, less less miles. Let's crank out the uh, the triple Ooh. option here. Let's go. How about that, Kansas Jayhawks? How about that, less miles. What is he going to I mean, run there? He can't run that same stuff. He was running like LSU. He was running like out of the eye. He can't, you can't do that. that. You couldn't. Can't you couldn't win big at that. LSU running out of the eye. You can do that, that at Kansas. You don't have to do. <laughs> what, what is he going to do? But that's the one team in there. <clears throat> All right, let's go. Uh, big Ten. Like, uh, what do you think? Illinois. It, you know, they have to do uh, something different. Illinois would do something different. I would say Northwestern would also be a candidate to do. Northwestern, yes, that's a good. But they've had success. They won their. They won their division. Yeah. Uh, doing it the way they want to do it. I would but, say yeah. this. The other team that I would say, it is, uh, Nebraska, can you go back to who you are? Oh, I love that. Can you go back to being the, the 70s, 80s, and 90s Nebraska? Run the I option. Do all the stuff that won a ton of games there. Then for whatever reason, you decided you wanted to be like everybody else, and then you've been average. Go back to being Nebraska. I think they would be a team that you could use as a triple option. SEC, Vandy. Vandy. Why is Vandy not running the triple Vandy option? Vandy used to do it – Years and years ago, I still go five and six, but yeah, why not? How about how about Pac-12, Oregon State? You know they used to run that way back in the day. I think Jerry Claiborne or somebody was out there. Go old school, uh, old school, yeah. That's that, that's that's my that's my uh, call there. Anyways, that was a fun little exercise. Got uh, sidetracked. All right, game of the week. Let's forget forget uh, Ohio. Yeah, State this this is the game of the week. Game of the week because the winner of this game. Uh, will host the Sun Belt Conference Championship game next week. And this is Troy, who is undefeated in the conference, 9-2 and two overall. Or, yeah, 9-2 and two overall. On the road to take on my App State Mountaineers, 8-2. and two. They have one loss in the conference, but obviously they win this game against Troy. Same record, and they have the head-to-head. So, uh, Buck, be a good friend here. You're going to take App State, correct? Who you got? I mean, I normally would, but they're undefeated. They're undefeated. They're they lost undisputed. to Liberty. They're undisputed. They're undisputed. I'm going to go with Troy. Oh, what? Oh, Buck! They're Why undefeated. Would you do that? They're Why undefeated. Would you do that? Undefeated Claibon in the conference. Is, is Patrick Claibon paying you for that? No, like, our colleague went to Troy. Even... Um, look, App App has two losses this year. Okay, they lost. They they blew a game in overtime against Penn State. They should have won. Mm-hmm. Their other loss, after they had been ranked for the first time in program history, was on the road at Georgia Southern, where our starting quarterback. At App State was knocked out on, I believe, the second play of the game. So when our quarterback is healthy and on the field, we should basically be undefeated. And and we're gonna put we're gonna take out the whooping stick oh, at the, home. The whooping at, at stick. Home, and it's gonna get ugly. App State big. App State real big. Wow. And and then we're gonna host the championship game the next week, and we're gonna do what we do. We're gonna win the Sun Belt. I think for the third or fourth year in a row. Now they wouldn't play. This Georgia. whole Division One thing is so overrated. By they the would, way, I mean, they we, wouldn't. They wouldn't. They wouldn't play Georgia Southern again, would they? No, they're in they're in their division. Georgia Southern's got two losses. Georgia Southern. They lucked out. They caught us on a short week, and our quarterback got hurt. They, didn't throw, they may not have thrown a pass. I think they just ran the ball. They, they, ran, they ran it a little bit. Yeah, they did. A little bit. Uh, last one. This is another great game. This, see, they, like, these games are better than the Alabama and the Clemson games. Utah State at Boise State. Great game. 21 versus 23 on the blue turf. What do you think, bud? You know, this is tough because Kent told me about how prolific and high-powered that Utah State offense is. But for whatever reason, I still didn't pick him. I picked Boise State. Matt Wells is going to get a big job. I wouldn't be surprised if he got the Colorado job, by the way. Utah State coach is really good. Uh, Who would you pick, Boise? I picked Boise. I picked Boise All right, I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll go Boise as well. Sully's going Boise. Kent, what do you think? Oh, oh wow. Going with the Aggies. Got to ride Utah State. They've been excellent all year. Is Chucky Keaton still quarterback? He's been there for he's nine years. Nine years. I mean, he, he played, I felt like, a full decade. They're putting up hey. over 50 points a game in conference. And Boise State, they're good, but I don't think they're good enough. I think we're going to see Utah State celebrate, win the Mountain Division on the blue on turf. The, wow. That's so Tyler Fackrell ain't walking through that door. Bobby so Wagner dis- ain't walking through that door. So disrespectful. They're going to they're gonna party on the blue turf. 
You remember that one year, by the way, Buck, when uh, Utah State had like three running backs? It was it was Turbin. Oh yeah, uh, that little guy. Gosh, who was it? I can't remember the name. I remember one year going up to Utah State. They had three. Michael Smith. I think was it Michael Smith. Was that his name? They've little had fast a bunch back. Of... I think Tampa took him in like the seventh round. Uh, they had a bunch of backs, man. They've had some players roll through Utah State. So when I went through there scouting, uh, Donald Penn. Oh yeah, I, I, I did Donald Penn. And bad body, good player. Right, and then the tight end at Washington for the longest time, Chris Cooley. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Chris Cooley, I think, might have been one of my first. That might have been my very first year. That like 03, 04. Chris Cooley was doing pottery. <laughs> nice. He was. He was doing pottery. He was like Ghost. He, 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 that was his thing. If that was Ghost, you did a nice, nice. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I thought I'd take good. you back to the 80s. Yeah, that is. I won't sing. I won't. I won't sing the song because my voice is a little sore. But I would otherwise. If I'm healthy, I'm singing that I song. I, I thought I would. I thought I would. I thought I'd take you back. Patrick Swayze. Ah oh, man, what a shame. Uh, he should. Yeah, he was a good actor, man. I hate to see that he had uh, passed away at a young age. Anyways, that's it. Uh, that's it for us today. Close up on a little ghost note there. Anyway, what do we got in the notebook, Buck? Oh, uh, man, we're going to talk about whether the Green Bay Packers should move on from Mike McCarthy. Is Aaron Rodgers worthy of having another coach? And the Seattle Seahawks, their commitment to run, why they may be moving forward by turning the clock backwards. Oh, there you go. A little play on words there. That's uh, NFL.com slash Bucky Brooks for Bucky's Notebook, which is outstanding each and every week. Um, I highly recommend you go check that out. All right, that's going to do it for us today. I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Hope you have a, a great time with the family and friends. Hope you in, enjoy a football weekend that is jam-packed with college football, NFL football. Uh, it should be a great weekend. Kent, happy Thanksgiving, buddy. Thanks uh, thanks for all your work. I know you got uh, you got Pops coming out here, right? Yeah, my dad's getting in tonight. He's going to go to the Notre Dame-USC game on Saturday, and sadly he's going to root against the Irish in that one. And then Sunday he'll be <laughs> joining you guys over in Carson. He's going to go to the Cardinals-Chargers game oh, nice. and oh, hang man. out there. He's having so. a football weekend. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's like his main thing. When he comes out, he needs to fit whatever plans around sporting events. <laughs> I love that. I got to meet this man, so we, we're going we're gonna to set that up so we can uh, say hello to me and money can say hi to him. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week right here on Move the Sticks. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.